All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake. And maybe I said too many all rights. Is that what I did? Well, you know, we just, just, we get excited. Too much, too much coffee, maybe. We're just too excited to be here sharing this with everybody. Yes, we're so excited to see you. How you been? I've been well. Well, good. (laughs) And uh, I assume, you know, um, I'm so used to Zooming people, and so we can't see you. Um, but um, anyway, we appreciate you taking uh, a visit to our channel and to listen and uh, see what we have to say. And we appreciate you uh, subscribing to the channel. Um, look at all the different uh, media posts that we have on a, a website, uh, sabbathlounge.com. A Twitter feed, a Facebook feed, and um, podcast, and Spotify, and regular Apple iTunes podcast, and and YouTube, and pretty much wherever you can think about a podcast, you can probably find us there. So uh, we appreciate any likes, comments. If you have any questions, uh, there's a place to do that on the Sabbath Lounge website. Um, we would be excited to hear from anyone. That would be willing to uh, put their name out there and just have a discussion. Well, tonight we're going to talk about really talking about gold on the ceiling that you can steal. But we are going to end up talking about gold and its importance in the tabernacle. And so that's kind of where we are. Right. Gold in the tabernacle. And so we're going to start right with Scripture. And so this is Proverbs 6.23. And uh, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the Torah is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. What do you think, Jake? I think that's probably true. Yes, very, very <laughs> much so. And, uh, and one thing I like about the Sefer, sometimes uh, the Sefer is a little difficult to read out loud. Um, it, but I really like how it translates things, um, like instead of saying the word is a lamp and, and to my feet, it says Torah is light. Right. Right. Instead of like law, it's more accurate as Torah. Yes. Cause it means more than, I mean, it barely even means law. So mm-hmm. it's loving instructions from the father. Right. And so when I was new to this and I saw that, I was always like, oh, law, that's bad. Right. You get the, for some reason, we feel like law keeping is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And then we harass criminals <laughs> for yes. being, quit being a criminal. Mm-hmm. Stop breaking the law. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for some reason, we think it's bad or difficult. Yeah. And it's, it's not. So um, p- part of how we got here is I went on a journey and I was trying to look up some of these words. So we're going to listen to a couple of these and we may talk over them a little bit. But um, this, uh, so for the full effect, you should view this in YouTube. And uh, one day we may figure out how to show our faces on here. But right now, <laughs> this is as far as we go. Not sure if we want to do that. But yes. we'll see what happens. Yes. Face made for radio and all. That's right. So this is uh, from the school side. How did that happen? And I'm going to skip to these two key words. Lamp is the word nur. It means lamp, light, or candle. Nur is spelled noon resh. Noon is the picture of the sprout of the fish. It means light or activity. Resh is the picture of the head. It means the leader, the master, or the prince. The simple, the simple but profound message in these two pictograms is what you can truly guess. Life is, is in the print. So, you know, uh, this he went over this first word. How did he say it? Newer. 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 Um, like, my car is newer than your car. <laughs> kind of. Yes. Okay. Kind of. So, um, and what did he say? So he's saying that there's... It's noon and race. Noon being this, he's saying it's a sprout or a fish. And now, without the picture, I can't tell what I'm. No, sorry. So, <laughs> no. So, 
it's this sprout or like this this start of life and then Raish being the head or the prince, like head as in leadership. So it's this sprouting of leadership, the start of a leader, it seems. Mm-hmm. And then or and just, and just who, who is this prince? prince? The Apostle John wrote in chapter, chapter 1, verse 1 of his gospel, In the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John, John continues in verse 4 to describe this man. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. John provides us a clear picture that Jesus Christ was the Word of God. He was the lamp that was the light of men and brought life. There is, there is a second word Solomon used, used in his counsel to avoid the lust and flattery of the evil woman. That, that was that the law, the Torah, is light. Light is the Hebrew word or, and it means diffused light. It is scattered everywhere, but is not itself the source of the light. This word first appears in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where we read, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. This, this was not the light of the sun. That wouldn't appear until the sun was created on day four. This was a light that radiated from God himself and permeated all creation. What can the Hebrew pictograms for or show us? Or is spelled Aleph, Vav, Reich. Aleph is the picture of the ox and means the strong leader of God the Father. Vav is the picture of the wooden hook or the metal nail and means to fasten or secure two things together that are separated from one another. Resh is again the picture of the head and means the leader and the master of the prince. What does this tell us about Or? God the Father is connected to the prince. So, Jake, you got any thoughts about that before we move on from that? Well, um... Yeah, it's it kind of all ties together. I mean, it's you get a bit of, of a clearer picture when you see that those two things, the lamp and the light, go together. A lamp produces light, right? It's it's all part of the same picture, and without one, you don't really see clearly the other. Well, and it directly ties to the scripture earlier that we just referenced, um, the John scripture as well. And so, uh, lamp is the word nur. nur. <laughs> when you say oil, usually you say it differently the next time. <laughs> and none is the spout, life, activity. Resh is the head. Life is in the prince. So, when every time you see. Uh, that word, um, you can think life is in the prince. Right. And light is the word or, uh, which is olive, ox leader, tav, the wooden hook, the fastener, resh, the head leader. God the Father is connected to the prince. Right. And so there's a, you know, um, I, I mostly wanted to do this just to challenge you to go back and look at some of these scriptures especially the ones that mention light and uh, the word um, being a lamp into your feet and then the john scripture and uh, go back and kind of put put words like that in there and read it with that meaning right it's easy to get hung up on on our current language that we speak and mm -hmm. the way it's translated and assign a meaning to it but yeah unless you like make sure you look at what was meant at the time right yeah well this is kind of like uh, you probably have heard of english as a second language well hebrew is a second language to us and so you know it is challenging yeah because we our brain does not immediately think of these things where if you grew up in Hebrew, especially Paleo-Hebrew, you would probably see a lot of these connections that we don't. Yeah, you'd see like several meanings in one one thing instead of the mm -hmm. just black and white yeah. meanings that we, yeah. we take. So, and then here's the John scripture. And will you read this, Jake? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. The same was in the beginning with Elohim, all things were made by him, and without him was not 
not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And boy, I, I can definitely relate to, to this, and uh, you can too, that if you have a job in the regular world, how many times um, when you let your light shine a little bit at work, uh, they don't understand. No comprendo. Yes, they're just like, what? Yeah. And then mostly it's like, that guy shut up. So, um, yeah, definitely. We we understand that concept if, if you do that. And it's just crazy how many times light is mentioned in here. Mm -hmm. uh, light and word. And so you, you can't look at this passage unless you also look at the other passages like the one we just referred to because they're all connected. Right. The Proverbs uh, 6 that and, we looked at. And by the way, Yeshua, when he said these words, he wasn't speaking Greek. No. No. He was probably speaking some Hebrew dialect. Yes, I believe he was. Yes. So contrary to what they taught me at Christian school, that uh, this was all Greek, and you had to learn the Greek because it was so important. And um, nobody ever thought about maybe we should look at Hebrew. Yeah. I mean, there were people there that did, but Greek was, that's, that's the thing everybody wanted to know. And then Proverbs 6.23, for the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Isn't that so true? So, and you see the people around us that they're just groping like blind people in the dark. Yeah. And and when the current events happen in the world, like what we're seeing with this virus, there's a lot of people that are really freaked out right now. Right. Yeah. And uh, they don't know kind of where to turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So something interesting here that, uh, this reproof of instruction, this whole concept, I think people run from reproof these days, whereas this is saying we should be welcoming it. It's the way of life, right? I mean, if you're not being reproved, uh, then then you're not growing. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And um, I am fortunate enough to work in a culture where we really – take this to heart and we really live this out in our work culture. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, when, if you're not used to that and the first time it happens to you, um, it's, it's a tough thing and people don't react well. I didn't react well when you get called out in front of everyone for your mistake. Right. But that is what, you know, when you realize that we're all doing it equally and it's not meant to, it's not criticize meant to tear you, you down, or right. tear you down, but it's to point out what went wrong and how to fix it. And um, you know, we've got you know, it's been interesting because at first, it you know, it really hurts your feelings, but when you realize it's happening to everyone and we're all doing this together, we've gotten a lot better and a lot stronger because of it. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to take the "who are you to judge me" attitude. Mm -hmm. it, it's okay. Thank you for bringing that to my attention because now I can grow from that mm -hmm. do better. And the wise person you do, you write down, take a note and go, okay, that didn't work. Don't do that again. You learn from and it. yeah, and you make that mistake less frequently. If you continue to make that mistake, something's not right. Yeah. You, you don't care. You're not trying or there's some serious intervention that needs to happen before you figure this out. Right. But anyway, that is a good a good thing to live by, but yes, you're right. We are in a culture that says that uh, discipline and redirecting is somehow bad. Yeah. And uh, especially when people raise their children. Don't tell Johnny no. Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, oh, your kids are so well behaved. And then the same person would send you to jail if they saw how you make your children behave. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, and this comes from Exodus, and so we're going to now talk about, uh, this is where we start talking about a little bit about gold, but in Exodus, um, when they're about to build the things that uh, we see in the tabernacle, he says, Take you from among you an offering unto Yahuwah, whosoever of a willing heart, let him bring it, 
an offering of Yahuwah, gold and silver and brass. And this is from Exodus 35.5. So he asked for willing donations. Yes. This is not a forced thing. It's it's a heart issue. Yes. The heart didn't just start in the New Testament. It was yeah. There along. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And in 36.5, they spoke into Moshe, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which he had commanded. So they brought too much stuff. And then Moshe gave the commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman take, make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. <laughs> they sure were. <laughs> they were restrained. Exodus 36, 6. Show, so. some, show some restraint. <laughs> I think that's what this is saying. Uh, I think it, you know, just the word proclaim in the Old English, it just kind yeah, of seems like it I should you. be. No, I thought it was fantastic. Yes, proclaimed. <laughs> um, but so they so they brought too much stuff. And then we read the Matthew 25, 3 and 4. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So... Well, I guess I jumped ahead there too, but so there's definitely a lot of comparisons between uh, what we're going to look at um, in the this parable. Yeah, if you didn't have things with you, you couldn't give them out of a willing heart. Mm -hmm. And these, uh, that's that's one of the tie-ins I'm seeing here between the, the previous yeah. verse and this one. They have the to have the lamps with oil in order to. Uh, use them well and there's so many tie-ins here because we've got the word uh, we've got the light you get basically you go back to that tabernacle into the holy of holies and so this is all kind of connected back to that where you have the bread and you've got the light um, and you've got oil yeah. and all of these elements are in the tabernacle which is the most holy place where the presence of Yahuwah lives so so these things are definitely crucially important, and they're seen in all of these examples. Because here they've got oil in their vessels and their lamps. You know, it doesn't say what if they were gold lamps. They probably weren't, but they might have been. They might have looked goldish, but they could have been clay pots too. So, um, but anyway, in the parable here, mm -hmm. that's a parable. It could have been, yeah, yeah. there's, yeah, it could have been anything. And specified what kind of lamp they were, but it, you know, in my head, it, I think this gold it make, would make a great tie-in, but right. it doesn't say that. That's just me. And so when we think about wine, when we think about, because wine was present in the Holy of Holies as well, yeah, um, and wine is going to be present for these guests when they go to this festival. So Yeah, and this is something I hadn't thought about. Uh, when we were putting this together, um, and I saw this slide that you put together, and I was like, I was like, that's true. I haven't really thought about like the tie in there with wine. You have to smash it in order to get. You have to smash the grapes in order to get wine. Otherwise, it's just a grape. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still good. I mean. Yeah, I like grapes. And so it has to be smashed and pressed, and then the same thing is true with olive. And so the olives go through these presses, and we kind of looked at these pictures of some olive oil. And after looking at them, we weren't quite sure we wanted to drink a bunch or use a bunch <laughs> of olive oil. So it looks like other things. It's kind of a messy process, it seems. Yes. And labor-intensive. It did not look like it was super easy to obtain. Yeah, I don't uh, imagine one olive has all that much. I, I'd be curious what the percentage mm -hmm. of oil to olive how many is. thousands of olives <laughs> do you have to have to make like a gallon of olive oil it's right. probably a lot so and then uh, how do we produce olive oil it's smashed and pressed and so if you go to this link and uh, later uh, online uh, there's a whole thing about olive trees and it shows you what the olive trees look like and um, you know living in texas here 
I believe the uh, Texas live oak is a close cousin to the olive tree because of its leaf structure and kind of the way the trees grow. Um, I've kind of looked up the botany on it, and, and I really can't can't find that they're connected, but I feel like somewhere they have to be because there's so much of this tree that reminds me of uh, just a good old live oak. So you're thinking there's a long-distance cousin no one, to no one told you about. Mm -hmm. Kind of. And so you can see pictures of the different stones and the different techniques um, and people actually crushing and collecting them. Yeah, you kind of get your hands in there. You get all that paste and you stick it into these little, like, sieves of some kind. Well, it says you press the pulp. Yeah. Got to be pressing the pulp. It's, it's pulpy. That's so a little pulpy. Pressing the flesh. Or maybe maybe they are pressing the flesh. The flesh of well, the, the pulp. Flesh of the, the flesh, olive. right. Yeah, the flesh of the olive. So maybe that's a new, maybe that's where that term comes from, pressing the flesh. Maybe. I, I don't use that term a lot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that must be a Texas thing. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> and uh, there's an a olive press at Gethsemane. And, uh, and then I, I looked at this one, I'm like, how? I don't understand <laughs> that. This one's broken. You know what? I've done this before. Now, I'm an engineer, and this is before I was an engineer. You would make stuff like this. Like, <laughs> uh, just hang this on there. I need more weight. Oh, put some over here. Mm -hmm. And then you got this crazy-looking thing that, you know, actually, this is probably, like, pretty... A fulcrum. It's probably quite the feat of... And counterbalanced weight yeah. of some kind. So, yeah, it definitely... And because this one below is, is similar, it's just some kind of counterbalance mm -hmm. on the weight. And that looks like a fulcrum in the middle, maybe. Uh, yeah, sure. I think this is where they're squishing all that down mm -hmm. to get that. If we get olive oil, like high pulp olive oil, you know? like your orange juice, some people like the high pulp, mm -hmm. some people like the no pulp. Yeah. You never even get the option with olive oil. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's maybe very I want, fair. Maybe I want the pulp option. Yeah. I like to chew my orange <laughs> juice, and <laughs> similarly with olive oil. Yes. It might make the bread more chewy. Exactly. So there might be a big demand for chewy bread. I don't know. Huh. Patent pending. No. <laughs> so, but it is interesting. They show you all these techniques. So this is where I like how it says the beam presses down upon the mash sacks. Olive oil oozes into the collecting bowls. Notice the color is brownish red. Man, don't you just want some olive oil now? Yeah, I have a big old glass of it. I'm enhungered by it, yes. by all that. And then, especially this one, I'm like, is what is that? I don't think that's a anything connected with. It's food. a close up of a collecting bowl. Yes. It looks like a, a collecting bowl. Yes, it looks just like a collecting bowl of something. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you get these uh, these crazy looking press, of like a that definitely looks like something the Romans would have. This done. looks like to me a gigantic version of like a cider press. Yeah, yeah, definitely where that came from. But this is interesting here. Um, I don't know if this is where they say it, probably down a little further, but how it it kind of looks like blood coming down right here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is a direct tie-in to yeah. all of these things, for sure. To all of these things. Mm -hmm. All of the... Very nice. I see what you did there. Yeah. Completely intentional. Yes, that's right. All part of the plan. Part of the script. Yep, yep. The long, elaborate script. <laughs> <laughs> so, when an Oliver grape is pressed and crushed, the old skins are thrown away, cast off into the fire into darkness into there's lots of things cast off yes yes outside of the camp with the dung and i had to go there <laughs> um, but the bottom line is once you've done this you can't put it back like you can't yeah you can't reassemble an olive no. mm -hmm. so when it comes to science was it physical change or chemical change we say physical changes are reversible, such as ice to liquid water, and this is a physical change, but you can't go back. No, I don't think I don't think it can. So it's kind of interesting. So, but it, you definitely have a new skin. New now, is this is this the uh, 
can't put old wine or new yeah. wine into old skins mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, when I was riding, riding that, that's exactly what I kept thinking. And so how do we get oil? Some say teaching. Maybe. So uh, trials and tribulations press and extract who we really are. And so it's really find out who you are. So, Jake, if you found that to be true in your life. Yeah, uh, it seems like when uh, to dive into cliche world, when the rubber meets the road. Mm, Yeah. Love the smell of rubber. When the bat hits the ball (laughs) or any number of similarly corny Fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of... uh, you either rise or fall to the occasion. Yeah. And that kind of shows what your what your character is, who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I think in order for us to make olive oil, if you will, because most of these lamps that they burned, burned on olive oil, from what I understand, they weren't using petroleum crude oil, um, which I'm sure they could have, but I imagine the smell of all that would be just not that pleasant to have in your house and and probably the smell of burning olive oil probably wouldn't that big of a deal right yeah we have some olive oil lamps at our house and you can't smell them they're actually really cool they give off decent light and really the one of the coolest things we saw about the olive oil lamp is like if it tips over it doesn't spread fire all over your house it puts it right out that's good to know it's pretty interesting but yeah, you think about things like that, about using a coal lamp or petroleum and the amount of smoke that it would make, and it would just be gross. Yeah. So, olive oil, much better choice. So, but there are so many, so when we think about the parable, especially, you know, this oil uh, is produced in us, I, I, I believe, when... Uh, you know, partly when we've had trials and tribulations, that's who—that's how we find out who we really are, what we're made out of, just like what, just like what you said. And the the unwise, um, the they didn't have that well because they just kind of went through the motions. They were there, they did what they were supposed to, they looked good, they looked prepared, um, but they. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between these two groups. And, and, and for one thing, the ones that had the oil, they really went through some stuff because of their faith. And it was in them. And his essence, his DNA was was the oil, you know. And so I think part of what happens in us is when we get pressed, we lose. Okay, so there's that scripture where Yeshua says, um, I, I, you know, he says something along the lines of, is it Yeshua or Paul, where he says, um, more of, I pray for more of the Father and less of me. Yeah. And, um, you know, that concept of, you know, um, is valid here. And, and I think that's the two camps here. You've got a group of people who are really, have really emptied themselves and not in a metaphysical yoga kind of way where they empty their mind. I'm not saying that, but they've emptied their own desires and will and things of the flesh and emptied all that out. They've been crushed. They've been buried. If you will, they've been, they've been, they've died to that sin and they've been resurrected into this new uh, oil, um, which is his. I don't know if that makes sense, if you see what I'm saying. But. I followed none of that. No, <laughs> no, it definitely it makes sense. Uh, yeah, we're, we're to die to self, right? And that that's going to cause, dying to self is a pressing process yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, you don't do that lightly or easily or... Right, and there's, uh, there's there is a way to uh walk your faith out where you're you're not really uh i don't i don't know if i want to go there necessarily i guess but but there's a way to 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 say you believe in something and go through the motions 
And when hard times come up, you can back away from it because really your faith wasn't there. Like you say in here, it's, it was superficial and it didn't go to the heart. It was on the, on the outside. The, yeah. It was the pulp that when you were pressed, you got shed into the, the pulp bag and then thrown in the refuse pile. Mm -hmm. Don't want to be in the pulp bag. No. Mm. Bad news. Yeah. Mm. And then I can't help but think of the, um, there's another um, tie-in to another scripture that goes right with this. And that is when uh, the people come to Yeshua and they're like, hey, um, you know, we we did this for you and we did that in your name. And, and he's like, away from me. I never knew you. Um, and I see that these two things are tied. Yeah, that was a superficial look at my outward appearance yeah. and not my not my heart trying to trying to follow you. Mm -hmm. And I really think I had this argument with a coworker one day, and she's like, "That's Matt. That's just lukewarm, lukewarm, <laughs> lukewarm, lukewarm Christians." Uh, and I'm like, no, I don't, I think it's more than that. I think it's, uh, the, the different, I really, and the more I study this, the more I'm convinced that, um, it's the difference between the people who really keep, uh, the things that he thinks are important that you keep them too. And that is basically this part of this oil is, is, is doing what he wants you to do, which is the feast and the commandments and the Sabbath. And that's what he's really, that's part of what he's looking for. And he's looking for people that do that because they want to. And, and so in this two camps, these other people, they may have done all those things, but they, they were missing a little bit. And I think they were missing that internal uh, want to desire. Yeah. Yeah, they ultimately, when when it came down to it, they wanted what they wanted more than what Yahweh wanted. Mm -hmm. And so this is how we get oil. We desire him more than the world. We walk like him, act like him, do what he does. WWJD. What? WWYD. Yes. Right. Yeah, that bracelet didn't really catch on. Maybe yeah. we should push that. Well, I would get changed to what would you do? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So, scratch that. Never Forget it. it. It's been tried. So if you want to try it, try it. Yeah. Um, but we will tell you that the world hates us when we do these things, and um, it doesn't understand. And um, you you do not win a lot of friends. and uh, Influence a lot of people. Yes, when you go down his back. Most people are, you know, it's just like the Simpson commercial or the Simpson reference when you start talking and, and then the guy disappears into the hedges. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how people act a lot of times when you start talking uh, just a little bit about this. Yeah, try things. that when uh, you get the the robocalls or like the the different like telemarketers call you. Mm -hmm. Just start talking Torah and you know they'll oh sorry I'm busy and they'll ask. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a good idea. You know, the other thing that happens to me is I get offers on my house all the time. And these people will text me or call me and go, hey, is your house for sale? Would you like to sell it? I'm like, Absolutely, I would. It is for sale right now, $7.5 million cash. I'll sign it. Yeah. Well, let's go. And they always reply back, uh-huh, LOL. Yeah. Like, Why'd you even ask me? Right. So, that, anyway, that's a rabbit trail. <laughs> so, no, that's hide in perfect. Yes. <laughs> If you want to look like the rest of the world, it's an easy life. Uh, look like, act like, talk like the world. That is super easy to do. Because um, you'll be embraced by the people around you. Yeah, people, love you. People want to feel, feel it, it's, you know, we desire that feel. Mm -hmm. And for a long time at my work, um, they, um, some of the people would tell me, I feel like you're judging me all the time. And, you know, when... It's like, I'm not, but, uh, you know, it may be your conscience <laughs> judging you or, or, uh, you know, I think I'd probably say God is, you know, you may feel that from something else, but that's, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, but you can look at the part of a godly person, you know, but have no, you can look the part, but 
have no real oil of your own. And I think there's a lot of people walking around like that. And I think this, this interesting time that we're going through um, is, is going to press a lot of people. And we're going to find out how real their faith is when, when, you know, when they don't have churches and how many churches are going to survive this, because I'm sure that um, the money coming into church is not the same. No, probably not. Mm-hmm. So and- no, I think, yeah, this too, I think it's important to, uh, when you're talking about the, what the world is going to think of you and how that really affects people, like in real life, it, it does affect you the way people think about you. And that's why it's important who you choose to hang out with. Yeah. I mean, you can't always control that, but, and you can't just always just hang out with people that agree with you. You gotta, you can't make inroads and, you know, spread the good news as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Even though sometimes we do want to hide in a hole and um, get away from everyone, I don't think we're supposed to. Right. So the mercy seat. Now we're going to talk about the mercy seat. You know, and the, the Day of Atonement was one time a year. And this is definitely connected to the wedding language. It's an event you need to be pre- prepared for. If you're too late, this door is going to be shut on you. And we just, you know, we read about that, you know, that people weren't prepared and the door was shut on them. And in essence, you know, to go back to tie that other story together, when that door is shut, it's the, basically the same thing as saying, away from me, I never knew you. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing said a different way. Yeah. And so when we look at this, and how did you say the word? Uh, shaman. Shaman. And, uh, you know, you can go look it up in Strong's. It, if we had Michael Heiser here, it would be Strong's H. 80. 81. And, um, you know, it says it's uh, fat, oil, fatness, olive oil is a staple. Um, and so that's kind of where um, that is. And then we're going to, I think we've already, did we watch that? That's a duplicate, I think. I don't know. I think it was. <laughs> so, and then how did he say this one? Uh shaman i guess and this is strong's 80 80 and uh wax fat make fat become fat um to fatness and so um definitely uh, these words are connected and then it's char how do you think you say that Yitzhar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah fresh oil shining pure oil and that is uh, 33.23. And then go back to the oil. The wise virgins are the ones who put his name in action by keeping the feast, the Sabbath, and obedience. They have internalized the Torah and made it part of him. Very similar to how Yeshua is the word made flesh. Yeah, he's the, the epitome of walking it out. I mean, he's he is the word. So... Mm-hmm. He is the Torah. True. You do this one. So, <laughs> so Shemen, uh, and we'll, I think we're going to see this a little bit. Uh, oh, we, we kind of mentioned this a little bit. So Shin being uh, tooth and Mem being water and the word, uh, it's also tied with the number 40, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. And noon being life and soul. Um, so Shin is also his essence, Mem is hidden or seed, and Noon is burst out suddenly. So you can look at that as putting his name in action, uh, his fame, his renown, his occupation, his identity, his DNA, who you really are. So when you're looking at Shemen, it's talking about the essence of of Yahweh, basically, mm-hmm. which goes back to this oil thing, and and not uh, relying on your own oil, which I guess you could even relate to your own works, and uh, and not relying on your own works or your own oil, but on 
putting his, his name, his fame, his renown, who he is, that's what should be in us. Right. And, you know, that basically means do the things he does. You know, if your boss, like my boss, he likes people who dress up nice and show up on time. And he comes from the school where if you are not five minutes early, you are late. Late. And so I figured that out pretty quick. Um, you know, uh, when 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 you are coming into a meeting and I believe there's like five minutes and he comes through and he gets all fired up and he's like, uh, I think I've seen him slam the door and uh, really chew someone out that walked in on time. And he was like, you were late. You weren't here early. And, uh, you know, he, he, you get chewed out by your boss in front of all, all your uh, buddies one time, and uh, you tend not to do that again. Right. <laughs> it's not pleasant. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, you know, uh, I'm sure if you work somewhere, which most of you probably have to do, even <laughs> if you're your own boss, you still have a boss. Uh, right. And, you know, um, and uh, but and generally, if you uh, act and think like your boss, you're probably going to be more successful. If you go completely opposite of your boss, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. So maybe temporarily, maybe you have some special relationship and fake it till you make it. I guess. I guess. And so um, I think these are just kind of a repeat, but but they're I'm, I'm putting a lot of these references together so you can go back and. Look at these, Strong's 8081, 8089, 8034, and uh, look and see how, how these words are connected. And, uh, and you see, I don't think we talked about the 8034, but, um, you know, that's his name, his renown, his reputation, infamous, but in a good way, like his reputation, fame, and glory. And then um, I felt, felt like he did a really good job here of tying it all together. So we're going to skip a, skip a few minutes here. Just a few. And uh, about right there. Five, five wise, five, five foolish. Five had were prepared, prepared for the coming, coming of the king. king. Five, five were not prepared. prepared. Five, five thought, thought they could, could uh, operate on their own, own, uh, their their own, own power, power, their own, own need. Or, uh, everything, everything was going to be okay when, when it came time. time the bridegroom was coming, coming delayed, and then it came at night. That, that they did not, not have the oil, and, and, and they were ready. Could, could not compromise what they did, what they had to give to uh, the oil to, to just uh, light their, their lamps and to be prepared for the bridegroom to come. Bottom, that, that they, they then could not give their, their oil to the other ones, and they, they were. And this, this is the last thing. Five, five were not prepared. Five, five thought, thought they could operate on their own, their own power, their own need. Everything was going to be okay when it came time that the bridegroom was coming delayed, and then it came at night. That then they did, they did not, not have the oil, oil. and the, the ones could not compromise what they did, and what they had to give. There it is. To uh, the, the oil, oil to his uh, family and friends, prepared for the bridegroom to come. Down and turn that they then could not give their oil to the other ones, and they were. This is the lesson. Simple lesson about preparedness. Be ready always when you go and travel. Even if rain's not in the forecast, you might as well carry an umbrella with you. Something kind of like that. That's a good lesson to be had. But the, but the thing, thing that I want to point to, to once again, again is to, to, to sort of wrap up this whole idea and this concept. Truly of the hearts of the people. The hearts of the people. It was not the matter of that the, that the, that they, the oil, you know, they, they had oil and they were prepared, so they had lamps and so that they were ready for the, the bridegroom to come. They already in their hearts were ready and eager for him to come, no matter when he came. And they, and they were, were ready and they were willing in their hearts to be ready to receive the bridegroom whenever he might come. And they were the ones that were allowed and were brought in to the house, brought into the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Some are allowed to go in and dwell with the Lord. Others will be left out. That, that is the whole idea, idea of the concept of God building his house, building his tabernacle, so that so he can dwell with us and his desire for all people to go in, to be with him, and to dwell with him in his house, especially when they're invited in. Yeah, but he's, not coming to, he's not coming to our house. Right. Mm -hmm. His house is better, probably. 
He probably has a better house than ours. Much better. He's been working on it a long time. <laughs> so the wise give with a willing heart. The foolish didn't invest their heart. Uh, when he asks um, when he asks you to do something, you do it. Uh, when you wait and hesitate, he may move away from you. So this will kind of tie it back to that scripture um, when it said they were building the tabernacle and they needed gold and. They asked people to give with a willing heart, and at some point there was not an opportunity to give anymore, and people who hesitated, and then, you know, him hauled around, and were like, I don't know. I mean, just like, that's just like what happens to us today, right. and um, I've definitely him hawed Have you ever him hawed uh, I did it once, I'm ashamed to say. No, yeah, I definitely, I've him hawed I don't even know. What is him haw? Him haw? Yeah, where's where that, that come from? Mean? It doesn't sound like something they'd say in Pennsylvania. Right. And we do, but I don't. Uh, him haw. Sounds like it didn't originate there. Mm-mm. That sounds like it came from the South somewhere. Yeah. From Yeehaw, maybe. Did you ever watch Yeehaw? Uh, no. Oh, you're missing out. So, anyway. Good. I don't know how, <laughs> how we got there, but... <laughs> Um, where were we? It all ties together. We were at Yeehaw and Himhaw and, and all this. No, so you move. Yeah. So it's the people that Himhawed around and didn't give with a willing heart. They're like, well, should I give? Uh, I got this extra should peso here. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they hum, hum that song too much. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, you know what? You know what, Gladys? I'm taking your last denarius, and I'm going to give it to Wendell over there, collecting the, the denarii, mm-hmm. and he'll and it'll go all into this beautiful thing they're making for Yahweh. And then they said, eh, too late. Yeah. You're too late, pal. You can't be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it does tie directly back to that concept of, there is a window, and when the window opens, we need to be ready because that window will close. And just like it closed for the people that wanted to give, when I don't think it reflected anything about necessarily bad about them, um, but there was a point when they wanted to give, and they couldn't, and it wasn't needed. And they've, so, they've missed out on a gift. Yeah, a blessing. Yeah, a blessing. So and so, we, we we definitely don't want to wait and hesitate because uh, he may move on and move away. So we want to give decisively with a willing heart and, and not question or hesitate. And I think that's what we're the concept that we see in the obedient um, virgins that were prepared. And so this uh, this goes right into the mercy seat. And um, I'm gonna have to make this smaller. Did I not say um, what is that? Three forty five. How can I not see that? Yeah. So at 345. Yeah. One more here. What, what is the significance of all this? Can, can the Hebrew pictographs of Kippurah give us a clearer understanding? Kippurah is spelled Kaf, Pei, Resh, Tav. Kaf is the picture of the hand. It means to cover to open, open or, or to, to allow. allow. Pay is, is the picture of the open mouth and it means to speak. Resh is the picture of the head and means master or the prince. Tav is the picture of cross wooden sticks and means a sign to seal or to covenant. The first mystery we can see in these pictographs is that there will be a cover on the mouth of the prince. But, but what, what prince? prince? That, that would be the prince, prince of the cross, which is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. If, if his, his mouth is covered, what is he not saying? For that, we must, we must look, look below the seat and into the, the ark itself. The first, the first three letters in Kippurah are the root word kafer, which, which in conventional Hebrew means to cover. The Kippurah, or mercy seat, is not just a place for Yahweh to meet with the high priest. It is covering something important. What is in the Ark of the Covenant? According to the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 9. And I think in a minute we'll explore about gold. 
and um, the mercy seat was covered in gold. Correct. It's covering. Right. You could say it covered the mouth of the oak. Mm-hmm. Anything else here before I move off of it? Um, just that uh, uh, what he's going to bring up here is um, the things that were in the... Oh, I need to play it for a little bit longer here. And we, can, we know what it says, right? It's yeah. the things that were in the ark, which is the, the, the staff. But, staff that budded and the tablets of the Ten Commandments and then the... Uh, the Gold jar of manna? Exactly. Yeah. The bread. Uh, the mercy seat. What well, was the mercy seat? The idea of the mercy seat is, is like an ark. So wasn't it called an ark? Uh, the ark oh. is what it's covered. Yes. Mercy uh -huh. seat covered the ark, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And which is interesting because you get this ark concept, and the ark is always associated with salvation. It starts really, I believe, with Moses. Uh, Noah. Noah, right? Yes, Noah. Yeah, Noah and the ark. And then also Moses was uh, delivered in an ark. Right, right. Um, as a baby, floated down the Nile, and the water saved him, um, which is kind of an interesting concept. And uh, but, um, but back to the Noah's ark thing, uh, there was a window of opportunity when everyone in his family had to get on board. All aboard! And... Um, so everyone had to be there, and if they hesitated, if they waited, they would not have made it. Um, and so there was a limit, um, you know, and, and just like all of these things, there's a window, there's an opportunity when the door is open, uh, you know, and, a, and it goes right back to Yeshua knocking on the door of your heart. Um, that's only going to happen so many times, and you've got to open and let him in. Yeah, you never know when the last knock is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it's definitely a similar concept. Um and on the mercy seat, the day of atonement and the wedding supper, you know, so Jake and I have done some things that we you you know, and consulted with Michael Omen. And I just keep referring to him if you uh, want some a great understanding his some of the things he did with that are just hard to hard to be better than what right. he did. Um, but the king goes off for the groom, has gone off for, to prepare a, a place for his bride. Yeshua is the vessel that saves us. When he comes back, we need to be ready to, uh, you know, to board his ship, if you will. I don't mean anything weird or strange about that, but just saying we need to be ready uh, when he comes back. So you're not talking about this mothership that's coming. No, no. And you're not saying that the wheel, the, the fire wheel in uh, Ezekiel, I think it is. Yeah, no, that's not talking about some spacecraft. No, I do not. Uh, do not believe that that's what I'm saying. You're do saying the wheel like, in the sky will keep on, keep turning. on turning. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's right. So for journey? Journey. Yeah. So um, the mercy seat, if we're not ready and found worthy, prepared because we want to be prepared, not a preparedness out of obligation, fear of legalism. And I think maybe you could make an argument some of these, you know, I, I truly think the people that were unprepared are just like this. They're the same people that come to him and says, hey, did you not see us when we were doing all this good stuff in your name? And he says, away from me. I never knew you and the doors closed. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that practice things out of obligation, out of maybe sometimes even now the fear of what other people will think of them if they're not this good person. You know, I think it works that way, too. Yeah, I had uh, one of So, um, who is the guy? Stephen Hawking, right? So, genius, right? He knows everything. Smartest man alive. So, and then uh, he was asked. So, he, he would go to church. He didn't really believe in... in and God at the time or anything. And he's he was asked, well, why do you go to church if you don't believe any of that stuff? And he's like, just in case I'm wrong, was his answer. And it's like, you missed the whole idea. You completely missed it. <laughs> you know, and, but that's how, that's how people think. Mm. And that's, 
kind of goes into this where he he's doing the 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 steps out of obligation like oh if i just do this if i spin around three times i'll i'll get the, a blessing of some kind if mm -hmm. i push the button i'll get the candy right mm -hmm. um and it and that example where you have this supposed super intelligent person can't see this basic concept in scripture so it, you know only yahweh can mm -hmm. can open your eyes to it mm -hmm. i think yeah yeah for sure but um yeah yeah that's great and i can't help but think of the office when, uh, when dwight and jim do the thing with pavlov's dog yeah like he uh, rings the bell and then gives dwight a mint or something yeah and then then stops giving him a mint and keeps ringing the bell and then dwight will stick his hand out and his mouth will start watering <laughs> anyway it is pretty interesting so. yeah um to do with anything there really I guess but when we're found to be ready we will be able to enter on the day of judgment the meaning of the mercy seat is the prince who looks no more what do you think that means the prince who looks no more um maybe if I look ahead I'll see that maybe <laughs> it kind of sounds like he's not gonna look at our sin anymore yes like he he would see that there's sin there but cover his eyes or mm -hmm. well, as we saw before like his, his mouth so he may he, now we were talking before that you know there's there can be some some differences in how these things are interpreted sure so we and what we've found is these two different ideas of covering the the eyes or covering the mouth and we kind of saw it as very similar in its mm -hmm. end result anyway where if you can't if you're not seeing the sin because you know uh, Yeshua takes the place of our sin, so if He doesn't see our sin, then we're essentially declared righteous. Or if Yeshua doesn't tell anyone about our sin, mm -hmm. right? It's he, He's not judging us, mm -hmm. so that's the covering the mouth part. Well, it was kind of interesting because I know I've had the discussion with people before about you know how does the um, omnipresent, omnipotent being not remember your sin anymore you know how do you how does he unforget it and and i and i think and can he lift a stone create a stone that is too heavy for even him to lift mm. <laughs> mind blown right mm. so now that i've taken this off yes no you were going to say something mm. important and then yes. i read it but yes um but uh, but that whole concept. What was I saying? He's omniscient and omnipresent, and, and he chooses to not remember our sin. Yeah, he he chooses to not see it, mm -hmm. not you know that's a, like a choice. I, you know, I don't know. It can get real complicated in I, a hurry. Yeah, I think but, it. I think it's in order for us to understand because yeah. clearly he's not gonna forget, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but he. It's like um. But I thought this made a lot of sense that he yeah. closes his eyes, closes his ears to it. Yeah. And it's like it didn't happen. Yeah. It's like when we call out for him to remember us. It's not that he went away and forgot about us. Mm -hmm. It's he's waiting for us to call on him. Yeah. And so the mercy seat is like an ark that saved Moses, that saved Noah, the ark that saves us. And so... Um, you know, you can also look at Eric Bissell about 28 minutes into his teaching about the oil, and, and he says it means to put his name into action. Um, and um, I also found a Hebrew word study by Skip Moen, and uh, this is a direct quote from him, that trust, loyal, loyalty, fidelity, and commitment involved in a marriage are displayed in our encounter with Yahuwah at the mercy seat. Atonement is not simply forgiveness. It's a wedding ceremony with the Most High. It's a place where vows are exchanged. We become His because He has chosen us. But and, we've also chosen Him. Right. And I think that's... <clears throat> uh, the Day of Atonement is so... Uh, so... Uh, uh, great at showing this to us, I think. Um, not that this is a Day of Atonement you right. know, study or anything, but uh, I think that Day of Atonement is real good at showing that it's more than, okay, we're forgiven. Okay, think all, 
pray all day and, and on okay I'm forgiven. No, it's a lot more than that. It's it's I'm meeting with Yahweh and what does that really mean and the intricacies about okay what am I forgiven of and why uh, how great it is that I am forgiven of it. Yeah. And uh, also uh, remember Skip Moen's awesome faucets. We want to we want to plug yes. that. Yes, sponsored by Moen <laughs> Faucets. Not the same um, guy. Yeah, I would like to have Moen Faucets. So <laughs> the hand that covers the mouth of the prince, um, going back to that. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about gold. And uh, so I have to see what the time is. Uh, three minutes. Why is it always three minutes, Jake? It's a conspiracy. Is it? Yes. Zion is a picture of the garden tool or the weapon and means to cut off, to pierce, to prune, or to harvest. He is the picture of the man with uplifted arms and means to pay attention to what follows, to behold, or to look upon. And can mean the Holy Spirit is the revelator. Bet is the picture of the tent and means house, family, dwelling place, or inside. And it is the first letter in the Torah that, that identifies the Son of God. God. So, so the first mystery we find in the Hebrew pictographs tell us why gold is found on the ark and the mercy seat. We are to behold the Son of God who will be cut off and pierced for us. Zahav is a constant reminder to us of the value of what Messiah has done on our behalf. The, the disciple of Yeshua, named Matthew, wrote something we should note here. In his, in his gospel, chapter 23, verse 17, he quotes Yeshua. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold. The value of the Zahab or the gold holds comes from something greater. The temple, the temple does, does not get its greatness from its gold, but instead from the master of the temple. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Bet is, is the number two and refers to the Son of God. God. Bet is, is the number two and refers to gold holds comes from something greater. The temple does not get its greatness from its gold, but instead from the master of the temple. The numbers, the numbers these letters represent confirm this picture. picture. Zion, Zion is the number seven and denotes spiritual perfection. He is, is the number five and refers to grace. Bet is the number two and refers to the Son of God. It was the perfect spiritual plan of our Heavenly Father to extend His grace to us through His Son. But, but something in Zahab seemed to wrongly demand worship of us. In the Torah, in the, in the book of the Exodus, chapter 32, verse 3 and 4, we find this. And the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. Uh, I think we're going to stop there unless there was something else. Nope. So, so then if we look at how this works, it breaks down, you're going to see um, in Strong's um, H2091 and H2090 um, a unused root meaning to shimmer. Gold, a precious metal, measure of weight, brilliant, splendor. Uh, so gold in the tabernacle, not on the ceiling. Exactly. So, um, and I think we have reached the end of uh, the slides here, Jake. Yeah, so. that'll be the end of the slides. Yeah. So when you say gold, it doesn't really have the same uh, kick as zahab. Zahab mm -hmm. apparently means all kinds of, you say zahab to someone, and it has all kinds of different meaning to it. Whereas mm -hmm. you say gold today, and it's like in English. Yeah. And it doesn't really carry all that with it. Yeah, and the other thing about the gold is, you know, it covered 
Now, if I remember right from the text, it wasn't it made of wood, and then they covered it with gold. Right, it was a thorny wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, acacia. Yeah, and um, but it, but there's a lot to be said about the covering, which goes back to atonement. You know, and it, it just it's just pretty. It was fascinating to me to see how basically everything we see in that holy of holies is connected. It's all connected back to Yeshua. It's all connected back to our relationship, and it goes back to kind of what we did talk about last time about having your house in order so to speak, and all of these things go back to time, back directly into your your tabernacle, your fleshly-covered tent that you're walking around and has a holy of holies. You know, we've got to set this stuff right inside. Right. And um, so, I don't know, anything else you want to say? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, we, we I think we said a lot in there. Uh, some of it might have been useful, and uh, you know, I think we'll stay tuned because there will be a lot more coming. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about, not necessarily on this topic, but also on this topic. You see, we, we're yeah, versatile. That's right. It might happen again. So, and every year, there's you know, there's more things you you pick up uh, as as you study these things. There's always more and more to learn. For sure. What's the what's the acronym that they use? ABC. Always be closing. Yeah, I think ABC should be always be learning. Always be learning. ABL. A ABC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you knew. Always be closing. Yeah. Like an old salesman. That's right. Mm -hmm. But uh, but we do appreciate your time. Uh, tuning in and listening to Shabbat Lounge and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.